My name is Matt Miller, the campus pastor of New City Church Shawnee, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today, and a special thanks to those who give financially to New City. Your giving makes this podcast possible. Now, I hope today's message inspires you to trust in and live like Jesus. If it does, I want to encourage you to click and subscribe to our podcast, share it on social media, maybe even send it to a friend in need. Man, enjoy today's message. How's everybody doing? Now, in my church experience, kind of moving to the primary teaching of the day, uh, giving and uh, giving and serving are key attributes of a disciple maker. A disciple of Jesus, the closer they follow, they tend to be more generous with their time, treasure, and talents. They tend to be more hospitable, and they also tend to be larger servants or better, more engaged in serving. So the closer you follow Jesus, those things tend to uh, get more uh, involved in your life. It's funny, I have Clearstream, our texting deal, hooked up to my watch apparently, and it's blowing up. So this, this thing's coming off. This is, my wrist keeps ding. I'm like, what's going on? So thank you for already texting. I think that's fantastic. It's like, I, I can't do two things at once. I'm a, I'm a guy. It messes me up. Uh, but I love the, I'm like, what is going on, man? So, but I appreciate the text already coming in. That's fantastic. But what I want to, sh- what we're going to talk about today on our, in our Seek 2021 is we're going to focus on disciple making. And here's what I want you to know. Um, everyone in the room and everyone watching online, this message has the potential to be very applicable to you, to where you are. Uh, it doesn't matter where you would put yourself in the disciple making efforts, it does. I mean, you're going to be able to identify and move from today's message. And so uh, for our friends who are on Facebook in the room this morning are a lot of our folks that I know personally. I know their names. I know much of their story. And so here in the room, you guys, this is going to be applicable to you too. There's several disciple makers in this room. Don't check out on me. There is a next step for you. There's a next step for me. Online, those who are watching online, I want you to help identify and move. And so in disciple making, one of my most favorite tools is the tool that we uh, ripped off, stole, borrowed with permission from a guy named Jim Putman. Jim Putman is a pastor in Idaho, has a church called Real Life Ministries, and this is out of his book, uh, Real Life Discipleship. And we took this disciple making tool and we made it our own. And so I call it the maturity cycle. Now, before we get into it, the first thing that I want to say about this tool is that this is not judgment, judgmental based, right? Today, I am not putting anything on you, right? I'm not saying, hey, you're this, you're not this. What I'm going to do is I'm going to walk you through the maturity cycle, and I'm going to ask that you would do a self-assessment. Hey, where am I on this, on this cycle, and what is my next step? All right, let me say that again. I'm not being judgmental. Judgmental. I'm asking you to self-identify where you are and how God is inviting you to take your next step. And so this is what it looks like right up here. We're going to go through this this morning, and we're just going to start at the very beginning with dead. Boy, isn't that positive. <laughs> Yay, right? But the thing is this. Everyone starts here. Not, well, man, I didn't start dead. I started alive. No, you, you did, but you started out spiritually dead. Jesus told uh, Nicodemus in John chapter 3 that we must be born, all men, all women must be born of both uh, water and spirit, this, this born again aspect. And so what we're going to look at at each one of these is I'm going to identify kind of the key part, and then we're going to answer two questions, what do they say and what do they need, right? We're going to do this for every single uh, part of this tool. And so 
when I think about someone who is dead, and a nicer word might be, hey, this person is lost or this person has yet to receive the gospel. Um, what, what are some things that they, that type of person might typically say? So I want to put just a couple up here. These are very general. Uh, I didn't give the ex- exhausted list, right? Just a little bit of things. But a person who is, is, is spiritually dead would say things maybe like, I don't believe in God. Right? If you have a friend that says, I'm an atheist, well, that's a good indicator when you hear those words come out of their mouth that they're not a follower of Jesus. And, uh, they might also say, hey, it's just important that you're good. Like they have this theology of just being good. And, and, you know, and I struggle with that because uh, what does it mean to be good? Right? Next to Osama bin Laden, you might be really good, but next to my granny Esther, you ain't looking too hot. Right? Good is a sliding scale, and good depends upon who you're comparing yourself to. Uh, following Jesus is not being good. It's about what you, who you put your trust and your salvation in. And so what do they need, right? And this is, a, this is good for the church to hear, right? If you have a friend who is spiritually dead, if you have friends who have not, uh, they wouldn't say that they're saved or they haven't yet accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, like don't get confused by trying to meet every need they have and miss the need they have. Because what does every lost or every spiritually dead person need? They need to hear the gospel from a Christian friend. So I'm not asking us, and it's bad on the church, if we separate ourselves from those who don't believe as we believe. My daughter is currently uh, trying to identify who they're going to invite from their school to the next student ministry event. Adam's got an event planned called uh, S'mores with Jesus, or S'mores Jesus. Is that what it's called, Pex? Yeah, something like that. S'mores uh, Jesus. And they're like, who can I invite? And the friends that they started talking about are all, all church kids from, from that they go to another church, and I said, and I was saying, hey, who might you uh, build a relationship with at your school that you don't think goes to church anywhere, or that you think doesn't believe in Jesus? And it really got my eleven-year-olds thinking about, wow, who could I bring with me uh, to church? And so for us as big people, right, grown-up eleven-year-olds, how do we engage those who are spiritually dead? Sometimes what we do is we treat them like they're somewhere else on this cycle. And listen, what they need right? If you, uh, I know Zach Cole is in the room, and he has a, a son who's in high school, and I'm sure his son has friends who don't go to church. He has friends who uh, don't trust Jesus. And, and what do they need? They need a Christian friend that will share the gospel with them. And so this morning, I want to share with you what they need. So we're going to do what do they say, what do they need, and then their next step. And so I want to share with you quickly, how does somebody move from death to the next stage of the maturity cycle? How do they go basically from death to life? And I wanted to share this scripture, Romans 10, verse 9. Paul writes this, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So what does a person who is spiritually dead need? Well, they need to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. And I just want to pause there and not make any assumptions. I don't want to make assumptions for those of us in the room, and I definitely don't want to make assumptions for those who are watching with us this morning, that if right now you would say, hey, if I had to place myself on what I currently know, I I know about Jesus, but I wouldn't say that I have uh, aligned my life to him. I've never confessed him to be the Lord of my life, and I don't believe in my heart that Jesus was raised from the dead. I just want to pause and pray for you right now, because here's why. I believe this, that only God can call people to himself. And this morning, as we were preparing this message, as we were getting ready and all the tech stuff, I just paused the tech team and the band and said, what's today's goal? Today's goal is that people would hear the gospel and that people would step into the gospel. And so would we, can we just pause and pray 
right? And, and, and give the uh, space quickly for the Holy Spirit, maybe to invite people into following Jesus in Romans 10, verse 9. Could you do that with me? Right there, as you watch at home and here in the room. And so I'm just going to pray for us. So Father God, I just invite your Holy Spirit to call men, call women, call teenagers, call children this morning, either here or at home, to salvation. And if we just do what Paul says, we read in your word that if we openly declare, confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And so Jesus, we proclaim out loud, right there where you're sitting, in your home, in your car, in this room, we confess you as Lord. We confess it with our mouths, we proclaim it, and we believe in our heart that you were raised from the dead. Thank you for your salvation, that it's not about what we do, it's about what you have done, and we receive it and we accept it. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, if you prayed that for the first time with us this morning, man, let us know online. Let me know after service because that's like my spiritual dashboard fuel, right? Like I love to see people come to know Jesus, and I love to see help people take their next step. So when a someone prays that prayer, and receives Jesus as Lord and Savior, guess what? They're no longer dead, right? They are now, they don't get to pass go and they go to Billy Graham status, right? They go to a spiritual infant or a baby, right? Let's look at this one. What do they say and what do they need? Now, what do, raise your hand if you love babies. Don't we love babies? They're so cute and cuddly. They're so excited. You guys didn't raise your hand, Blair, but I'm, I'm assuming that you love babies. <laughs> but we love babies. Doug's got a little baby, right? And little Eli, right? You got babies there at home. Like we love new life. There's just some, my wife loves holding babies, right? And when someone accepts Jesus, what, you don't get to skip this step. You become a spiritual baby. You could be 58 and I prayed that prayer just a minute ago. And guess what? You're a spiritual baby. You're in a big adult's body, but you're a spiritual infant. And so what does a spiritual infant say, and what do spiritual infants need? A lot of times spiritual babies say things that, that, that share that they don't really know a lot yet, right? So I just gave a couple, like, they might say things like, oh, I didn't know that, or, hey, what is baptism? Like, they just got a lot of questions. They got a lot of questions. And so think of it, if you have a brand new Christian, right, a brand new Christian, doesn't matter their age, what do they need the most, Right? Well, I believe this. They need to be fed. I mean, think about a real baby. What does a real baby need? They need to be fed. Can they feed themselves? No. Like, Duck, can baby Eli feed himself? No. I mean, Duck has a responsibility to feed that boy, right? What else does a spiritual uh, a Christian or spiritual baby need? They need to be taught how to read and study the Bible. And this is a part for us all to grow in. For those of us who are discipling uh, leaders, disciple makers, and we have spiritual uh, new Christians in our, in our D groups, like just because you put their favorite baby food in front of them doesn't mean that they're going to know how to eat. Like when, when you have a little bitty baby, and like let's say they, they love peaches, those little Gerber peaches, right? You could open the Gerber peaches, and you could put it right in front of them, and you could put the spoon right next to the Gerber peaches, and you could say, there, enjoy. And guess what? That little dude or dudette can't have, doesn't have the mechanics to pick that spoon up into the Gerbers, into their face. So what does mommy and daddy, aunt, uncle, grandma, and grandpa do? They pick up the spoon, and they go, open up. Choo-choo, choo-choo. All right? You guys ever done that? Come on, we've all done that. 
But that's what spiritual babies need. They need to be fed. They need to be fed. They need to be taught how to taught to eat. Now, at some point, you know what's not cool? Is when your real-life baby grows up to be about four or five, and you're still having to feed them out of a baby can. There gets a point where someone's acting like a baby, and that's no longer cool. Are you with me? Like, dude, you better pick up that spoon and eat. Right? Like, there comes a point where a spirit, like a real baby, it's no longer fun to feed them because do this on your own. Now, when I was teaching my kids, especially Luke, I remember this, because Luke would never let anybody feed him a bottle. He went from his mama to wanting to have complete control of the utensils. I never fed my son. It's nuts. But he would pick up that spoon and he would put it into the baby food and he'd go right to his forehead. Right? Or he'd go right to, you know, he, he never got it where it was supposed to go, right? Because he was learning the mechanics, right? He was learning the mechanics. And so when you have someone in your life that is in this stage where they're learning and they're new, like just saying, hey, here's your Bible, read it, doesn't help them. We got to teach them uh, how to eat, we got to feed them. But then we also got to help them with the mechanics on how to read their Bible on their own. And that is an important thing because this is what they need to mature. So before I read this, to those watching and to those sitting here, if you're in a season where you are dependent upon somebody to feed you God's word, not trying to be mean, I'm not trying to be rude, but spiritual babies depend on somebody else to feed them. This is just spiritual truth. doesn't matter your age. But if you're depending upon somebody else to feed you, then I'm going to ask you to consider your next spiritual step because you don't have to stay in this phase very long. The sp spiritual step is this. Michael, yeah, you can go back to it. Thank you. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 through 17. Paul writes this to Timothy. All Scripture, how much of the Scripture? All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it, it being the scripture, to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Now, let me ask a quick question, pop quiz. What is the, what is the thing that makes us realize what is wrong in our lives? What is that, Zach? Scripture. Like, if we walk around pointing out the things that are wrong in your life, is that what Paul tells us to do? No. As spiritual parents, as people who are invested and people who are new to the faith, it's not our responsibility to walk around and pull, point out all of their faults and all of their gaps. Our responsibility is to feed them God's Word and to help them learn to feed themselves so that it is God's Word, the Bible, who is the one that corrects us. God uses His own words to shape and sharpen our very lives. Amen? Like, it's not your job to fix somebody. You can remind them of Scripture. You can point them to God's Word. But you, let me release you from the spiritual responsibility to save and change people. It's not your job. It's God's job. It's God's work. We get to partner with God. So what does a spiritual baby need to move to the next part? They need the ability and willingness to feed themselves. I want to invite everyone who is watching this today to begin the practice of picking up your spiritual fork, spoon, and knife and digging into God's Word. I want to encourage everyone here that's not currently reading God's Word on your own to begin to eat God's Word and learn to feed yourself. And until you do, know that you're at a church who is willing and more than ready to help you learn that skill. Because we want to see people grow up. Let's look at this next thing. What happens next? When somebody begins to feed themselves, they become a spiritual teen. Who loves teenagers? No hands? Okay, okay. 
Teenagers have good qualities. What's some good qualities of a teenager? They're fun, right? I mean, teenagers can be fun. They have lots of energy, right? They're, they're super willing to help as long as they want to do the thing, right? You with me? They got lots of energy. How many of you know a teenager that has more energy than you? I mean, come on, last week we watched that student ministry uh, summer camp recap. Remember that thing? They're running around chasing chickens and all kinds of nonsense. I was exhausted just watching that thing, right? Spiritual teens are the same, man. When I, when I uh, was in this stage, I was at, doing ministry at Southside Community Church in Paragould, Arkansas. You could not give me enough responsibility. I mean, it, my first responsibilities weren't preaching. It was stacking chairs. They had to be in stacks of eight, not nine, not seven, eight. Right? My job was cleaning up after the groups, making sure the trash is off the ground, making the, the place look nice, and, and, and just doing those sorts of things. But man, I, give me more. His name was Chad Wood. He was my mentor. Chad couldn't give me enough responsibility. I, want, I wanted to play. I wanted to uh, get involved. But there is a key phrase that teenagers might say, and here's how you can maybe self-identify. Teenagers are mostly concerned about who? We all know this, right? Like, I didn't tell you to say themselves. Like, we all know teens, and teens are focused on what is best for number one, right? Well, I like this. Well, I want to go here. Well, I don't like that. It's I, I, I. And sometimes this happens, and actually oftentimes this happens in church as well or in, spiritual, in your spiritual maturity. You come to a place where you're focused on what's best for you. And when things aren't going the way that you want them to go, you get a little sideways. You get a little grouchy. You get a little grumpy, Right? Nobody gets to skip this step, but it is important to be able to identify where you are. Now, there's something fun about this season, okay? What age does a person technically become a teenager? What's that, what age? 13, okay? And what age do they stop being a teenager? 19, right? So 13 to 19. How many of you guys are aware that there is a great difference between a 13-year-old and a 19-year-old? Can we agree? Do you give the keys to the new Jeep to the 13-year-old? Not unless you're crazy, right? Some of you wouldn't give the keys to the new Jeep to the 19-year-old, right? But you probably are trusting this one with more. Here's what I want you to think about on that scale, that, that, that slice of pie that's the teenage years. It's a, let me give you what they say and what they need, because this will help out. They say things like, I like, and they also say, where can I help? But what they need is a coach and a mentor, and they need given opportunities to lead so, they can, so that trust can be developed. Like, from, when somebody is in this phase, and again, they're a self-feeder, right? We're not having to feed them. They've moved past that. They are at a stage where they, they got a lot of freedom. Sometimes I've, I've heard it said that they know too much for their own good, right? They don't know all of it. They just know enough, enough to make them dangerous, right? But they need to be given responsibility or opportunities to be responsible. Like, hey, I'm going to ask you to, to lead this, to serve here. I'm going to give you, before I give you the keys to the car, I, I want to I first trust you that you can do this. And so in your spiritual teen years, that's a season where you are given responsibility, not just from a, another person, not from necessarily me or any other leader, but from God himself, that God begins to trust you with things to see how you can be a responsible with it. And the more you're responsible, guess what happens? It's logical. What happens at home when your teenager can be trusted with a little responsibility? What do you do? You give them more. This is exactly what God does. Jesus gives several parables about the, the, the person who comes in and gives a talent to a person, and he, the, then he leaves, and he comes back to see what said person did with the talent given. 
Some invested and made more. Some hid it in the ground. And there's a parable there about what we do with what we are trusted with and what we are given. But they need a mentor or a coach in this season. If you're in this season, you need a mentor or a coach that can push you along. Now, I'm going to slow down just a little bit here. If you identify with right now, you're like, oh my goodness, I actually say a lot of I, I, I. That's okay. I'm not, there's no judgment. Me too, right? But I want you to uh, pray through who can I begin to invite into my life to coach and mentor me? Who do I need in my life that's going to spur me on uh, with responsibility, with opportunity to be held accountable? Because here's what a teenager needs to move to the next season of life or the next uh, cycle of maturity. Luke 16, 10 through 11. Jesus says this, If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy with worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? What are true riches of heaven? What do you think? What is God's greatest creation? Thank you, Charlie. People, take a selfie. You are. The true riches of heaven are God's children, our people. And God's saying in this, Jesus is teaching us, if you're trustworthy here, then I'm going to begin to make you trustworthy with, this most, with God's greatest creation, right? The true riches of heaven. And so what we're looking for and what you're looking for if you find yourself in this stage is that you are looking for a reputation of responsibility, like, can you be trusted? And that is something that is earned over a season of time. Like today, Morgan got up here, and she did a fantastic job as the worship host. Really good job, Morgan, right? Like, I'm like, okay, here we go. We got a girl, uh, a good leader who can lead and get up in front of people and talk and not stumble over her words, and she did a great job. Like, I listened on purpose, right? And I'm like, okay, Morgan is somebody who can be trusted with a responsibility, and that's what we're looking for. This morning, Justin, first time leading here at New City. Of course, he's been leading at Summit Park, has a reputation of, of provenness there. But for us here, it's first time. Did a great job. Next time I see Justin's name on the deal, I'm not going to be like, hey, hey, who is this? Is he, does he know how to sing? Like, no. He, he has a provenness there, right? And so in our teenage season, and again, you could be 73 and be in the teenage years. God is testing us and growing us up in these areas of responsibility. And as we grow, we turn into what? Spiritual adults. Do you remember the first time you got that envelope addressed with your name on it and inside was your first bill? That's something, that's, there's a difference there between a teenager and adult. All of a sudden, you're getting mail, you're getting bills, and it doesn't have your parents' name on it anymore. That's a wake-up call, right? Right? A spiritual adult is somebody who has transitioned from it's all about I to it's all about we. There's more we than there is I. They're, 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 the, they're the person that says, where do you need me? Hey, hey, uh, I see that we got several families that are out right now. Uh, Jay was here early this morning. Jay Comer, he came in. He's like, hey, where do you need me? Right? How do I jump in? How do I serve? How do I participate? How do I make this church, this church body, how do I make it better? Yeah, there's things that I would prefer to be a little bit different, but it's bigger than just me. It's about us. Right? Here's some of the things that an adult says and what they need. Church, uh, an adult might say, What is best for the church? And an adult might say, Where can I lead? What do they need? They need to be trusted to use their gifts to build up the church. 
I mean, if you're in this room and you're a self-feeder, you read the Bible on your own, and I mean, you've gone through, and maybe you kind of still are being trusted with more leadership, like I want to give you the opportunity to use your gifts to build up the church. That's why God gave you your gift. He didn't give it just for you. He gave it for your own benefit. He gave it for your, he gave you that gift to benefit the church body. And this is a, this is a place where we are looking for our next best leaders, our next best disciple makers, people who can step up and help with God's greatest creation, helping people. And the second thing that they need, one an adult needs, is encouraged to make disciples. Because there is something that, that is different from an adult to a parent, right? There's lots of adults that aren't parents. What's the thing that makes an adult a parent? Having kids, y'all not trying to trick you, right? And so this is the next thing. This is the adult's next step, right? Let me put that up here. This is the next step for an adult. 2 Timothy 2.2, Paul says this, Timothy, you have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. If you are a spiritual adult, can I ask you to have a baby? I'm asking you to have a spiritual kid to start making disciples. Man, that's what, that's what we're, we're going to continue to build every ministry at New City Church on. Like disciple making is going to be our ground floor foundational truth, the cornerstone being Jesus as Lord. How do we disciple people into that truth and allowing them to use their gifts for the betterment of the church and the proclamation of the gospel? And so if you're currently a spiritual adult, I want to invite you to get into our disciple making pathway so that you can make a disciple because we want you to become this next thing. We want you to become a spiritual parent. A spiritual parent. A spiritual parent is somebody who basically says, I'm for you. I'm for you. You've got people that you're spiritually uh, kind of responsible for. You've got people that you're praying with intentionally. You've got people that you're gathering with on a consistent, regular basis on purpose to talk about disciple-making efforts, uh, what it looks like to trust in and live like Jesus, and it's happening on purpose. And when you get with them, sometimes you have great conversations, sometimes you have hard conversations, but at the heart of every conversation is those folks know that you are for them. And you're giving them your time, and you're giving them your effort, and you're giving them your prayer life, and you're giving them your thinking, and you're giving them just, you're opening your home, they have refrigerator rice, they can just come in your house and get stuff out of the fridge without asking. Like, they just have access to your life because you are for them. What do parents say? Parents say things like this. What is God saying to you? And my D group is driving me crazy. I just wanted to give some reality into our disciple making, Right? And some of you are laughing because you, you've told me, like, I, I didn't make up these words, right? But I'm going to start with that first one. A parent is asking people that are a part of their life in disciple making, what is God saying to you? We're always trying to pull out, hey, how, what is God communicating to you through your abiding, right? Because they're self-feeders. They're learning how to eat the word. They're being trusted with ministry. Hey, what's God saying to you right now? But also, man, they say things like, my D group is driving me crazy, Because discipling people is hard. Discipling people is challenging because we have no control. Right? Control is an illusion. And people are people. Have you ever been a knucklehead? Raise your hand if you've ever been a knucklehead. I'm going to raise both of mine. Right? Yeah. And so sometimes, man, our disciple makers are hitting their head going, man, I don't don't know what to do here. One of my favorite stories is Michael Libera. Michael Libera is actually a co-leader with me right now on my Tuesday night D group. And Michael was in, Alan was in that group as well. And uh, Michael came into that D group as a faithful churchgoer. He had church friends, but Michael hadn't solidified. He hadn't come to terms on who Jesus was. 
And so in our D group, uh, we are reading the Bible and we're having these spiritual conversations. And yet Michael is someone who is questioning the authenticity of Jesus Christ. And I'm giving Michael every scripture I know week after week. I'm asking Michael to read books like The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. He didn't want to read the book. So I said, hey, good for you. There's a movie. I can't get him to watch the movie. And I'm just like, I'm at wit's end, guys. Like, I'm like, I don't know what to do with this guy. Uh, but God, I know that you've asked him to be in our group. I know that you've given me permission to speak into his life. Like, there's a friendship here. There's a, but I'm just, I, dude. You ever felt like that? It's frustrating. I'm sitting in my garage one night. I think, I think we are pulling out to go to dinner. And I get a call. It's Michael. Matt, you're not going to believe this. I said, what, what is it? And he goes, so Doug rushing, he said, Doug and Sarah came over to our house tonight. At the time, Jamie was watching little Luke. And they gave uh, Jamie, uh, they paid her for watching Luke, and then they gave her an additional $500. And Michael goes, I can't, I, he goes, I can't wrap my head around that. He's like, I know they could use that $500 too, but they blessed us with it. And he goes, man, that's crazy. He goes, but I was sitting on the couch, and, and I go, but Lord, that's not from you. That's just because my wife is awesome. And so, yeah, and so Michael just is telling me that he is pushing off, right? That's because Jamie's awesome. And so he sits on his couch and he tells me, Lord, that's not from you. That's because Jamie's awesome. And, and, and that's why that happened. And he said, that's, that's what I, he said. He said, the moment it's no longer, no, no further out of my mouth that there's a knock at the door. And he says, I get off the couch. I open the door and there's my neighbor from a few houses down with a box of like turkey breast and a ham and, and, and canned goods and stuff and says, hey, Michael, I feel like God kind of wanted me to give this to you. And they give it and then just leave. And Michael says, my jaw's on the floor. Because it's like now God's like saying, who are you going to blame this one on? Right? And so Michael said, Matt, I just want you to know that what has happened to me tonight, God has opened my eyes and Jesus is who he said he was. And I believe that Jesus is who you to believe him to be, that he's my Lord and Savior. Now, I had two emotions. I was like, awesome, right? Honking the horn, honk, honk, right? In the car. And also I'm like, really? I worked my tail off trying to help you, teach you, and it's a box of turkeys and hams that get you, you know? But glory to God, man. Man, since that time, Michael has gone from this shy, not knowing anything about the Bible, not even knowing where to start, to somebody who participates and is sharing and, and, and giving feedback and giving, sharing scriptures and helping me disciple other men. It's awesome. It's crazy. What does a spiritual parent need? Let's go back, Michael. What does a spiritual parent need? You guys need in this room who are spiritual parents. Those of you who have D groups that you're leading, you need to be encouraged to not give up because it's hard, right? And so I want to encourage you as lead pastor of New City, as somebody who's in the trenches with you. I get it. It's hard. But I want you to hang in there, and I don't want you to give up. And also, what do you need? You need tools that help, right? You need to be given disciple-making tools that are reproducible, that can help you continue to make disciples, that make disciples, that make disciples. And we have those for you. I want you to take advantage of them. Now, here's how you move to your next step, because this is a new one. We have a next step. Spiritual parent is not the end game. Here's what you need. John 15, 8. My father is honored by this, that you bear much fruit and show that you are my disciples. This has been one of my most recent favorite scriptures. I love John chapter 15. And this verse right here, my father is honored by this. Jesus tells us what honors the father. How crazy is this? Hey, I don't know how to honor God. I'm going to answer. Jesus tells us right here that you bear much fruit and show that you are my disciples. Here's what parents need. Coach disciples to make disciples. 
I asked my spiritual parents in the room to become spiritual grandparents. This is where you watch your babies have babies. Who's a grandparent in the room? Yeah, I'm not there yet, praise Jesus, right? I'm hoping I'm years away from that. Raise your hand, grandparents. Now, one time I said to my dad, Jimmy Dole Miller, when he had a little grandson, Landon Miller, Dad, it seems like you like Landon more than you like me. And he said, seems like. <laughs> Let me be real clear. <laughs> Let me be real clear. My dad was so encouraging and loving, right? There's something special about your grandkids, right? Like you love them. It's just it's a different relationship. Man, we ask our, uh, our parents to keep making disciples that all of a sudden your disciples are making disciples. That, yeah, you got your stuff going, but people that you've poured your life into, now they're doing that for others. Let's look at this next one. What a grandparent, right? Grandparents have this privilege to say, listen to me, as someone who has done it. Did your grandma or grandpa ever do that to you? Listen to me. <laughs> I'm, I need to coach you in this. I need to help you in this. What does a grandparent say, and what do they need? A grandparent says this. Look at what I'm a part of. Man, it is so fun to be able to see men and women that you've discipled doing the same for others and how it just becomes exponential in its impact. It's really fun. And what's fun about this is it's not age-based. Like, I don't want to be a grandpa at 43. That wouldn't be good for my family. I have 11-year-old girls, right? I'm not going to be a grandpa, hopefully, for at least 20 years. I don't know. The math. I'm not good at math, but it's going to be a while, right? Uh, please, Jesus, right? But, uh, but you know what? Spiritually, I can be a spiritual grandpa, I can be someone who makes disciples, that makes disciples, that makes disciples, and, and, and can continue to do that. So I get to say, look at what I'm a part of. And secondly, man, a grandparent gets to say, I'm so proud. Man, I'm so proud of what Alan Williams is doing. I'm so proud of what Charlie and Anita are doing. I'm so proud of what you guys are doing as disciple makers who have seen people who have come out of your groups go and have uh, their own D groups of their own. It's a really cool thing to be a part of. What do you need? Grandparents in the room. Honor and respect for the love and leadership they provide to the church. We got to do a better job honoring our grandparents in this, in this church. We got to do a better job of honoring, not putting up on a pedestal to worship, but giving respect to our discipling making champions at New City Church. And also, what do they need? They need the opportunity to encourage other disciple makers. Like, we need to give you guys the opportunity to speak into and bless and to increase the bandwidth of our disciple making at New City Church. Now, last things. FYI, here we go, because this is good. Oh, I got a verse for you. I'm sorry, I have a verse for you. Matthew 25, 21. Yeah, please go for there. Thank you. Well done, good and faithful servant. I love this. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share in your master's joy. And for the grandparents in the room, our spiritual grandmas and grandpas, enjoy the fruit of their faithfulness. Man, enjoy it. Like walk around with your head held high, your chest pumped out, and being proud of the disciple-making efforts happening at the New City Church. Now, FYI, here we go. This is kind of a, a truth. Just because you're a parent doesn't mean you won't act like a teen. This isn't concrete, right? Now, the only, only place that you won't go back to based on how I understand God's word is once saved, always saved. You'll never go back to dead. But at any moment in your life, you can do this. I'm done reading the Bible. I'm going to be fed on Sundays when I go to church, and you can go right back to being a spiritual baby. At any moment on that cycle, you could, have, you could be leading two D groups and walk around and always being like, I like this, and I want this, and why not this, and I want, right? We can, act, you can, like my wife tells me sometimes, I'm acting like a teenager. 
Not spiritually, but just on what I want, and I want it now. Hey, and she's a lot nicer than I would be, right? But she's like, hey, you're acting like a teen, right? Spiritually, we could do that. And so let's keep our heads on our shoulders and keep our hearts focused on Jesus. Let me go to this next slide. Questions on this for you. Questions for those watching online this morning. Where are you within the maturity cycle? How would you self-identify? Are you leading a D group? Are you in a D group? Are you currently investing your life in the discipling of others? I want to encourage you to identify where you are. Then I want you to identify what is your next step. How do you move around this maturity cycle? And finally, who can help you take that next step? Who is someone that can help you take that step? And then two things here. My question is this for you. Why is this important? Michael, let's go to that next slide, please. Why is this tool important? What type of people do you want leading New City Church? Okay, this side? Or this side? Like the eye doctor test. No, seriously. Who do you want leading New City? You want this side? Let's go back. Or do you want this side? Go forward. There we go. I mean, what, what do you think? Do you want to be a part of a church family that's led by spiritual babies and spiritual teenagers? Or do you want to be a part of a church family that's led by people who are spiritual adults, parents and grandparents? To me, it's a no-brainer, all right? And so from myself to our elders to our staff, what I want you to know is this. We are disciple makers. We have uh, disciples that make disciples. We're actively uh, not saying, oh, I used to do that. We're actively have groups. I mean, I, I lead a D group on Tuesday night, and I have an awesome city group on Wednesday night. Like I, your pastor is engaged in the very thing that we're talking about today. And, and it is my goal that we continue to reproduce leaders so that our church continues to be led like this. When Pastor Don gets sent out and we plan our next campus, is it not important that his campus, even though it might start out small or smaller than Shawnee, is it not important that it's led by this side of the circle? And so we're looking for people who are on this side of the maturity cycle to go with Don to help plant. We want to send maturity with him. Last thing is this, why this tool is important, is if we're going to achieve a new city in every city in Kansas City, we must, this is mission critical, that we continue to disciple people towards maturity. Like, you got to know, and I'm not going to have Michael go back to the scripture, but that Luke, that Luke scripture that talked about the trustworthiness, and if you can't be trusted with a little here, why would you be trusted with much? You got to know that for me, that is a major scripture. And that, man, I am passionate that New City is a church who is maturing, that God can trust us with more opportunities in our city. And again, it's not buildings and it's not property. It's always people. And I want God to be able to trust us with his lost sheep. I want to be responsible with the gospel. I want to be responsible with spiritual development. I want to be responsible with pastoring and shepherding the flock. We're going we're gonna to do that. And to do that, we have to continue to mature people up to trust in and live like Jesus. And when you think about our SEEK 2021 ministry guide, our ministry fund, that's exactly what we're going to continue to do. In Shawnee, our three words are this, discover, disciple, deploy. That's what we're going to be about in every ministry area next year, discover, disciple, deploy, and I would love for you to be a part of it. I'm going to invite our band to come on back up, and we're going to uh, wrap up today uh, with, some, with, uh, with one worship song, I believe. I'm going to put this watch that was beeping and buzzing back on. And as we do, I want to pray for you this morning, okay? And here's, here's what I want you to pray through. I'm being real serious. Can I be real serious with you? 
I am so not interested in, in having a mature church that's only excited about going to church on Sundays. I really want you to be a part of what we're doing. And if you're watching online, if you're here this morning, and you're like, man, I'm just trying to heal. I'm just trying to get my feet underneath me. You do that. But for the rest of you, and I want to invite you to take your next spiritual step. We have uh, got that, uh, that, what I just showed you, that, that kind of presentation is on a PDF that's been uploaded to Facebook. So you'll have access to that. If you uh, saw some of you taking pictures, you can have access to that little, uh, that, that disciple-making tool. But I want you to process where you are in Jesus. How are you asking me or inviting me to move closer to you? And that's my prayer for us this morning. Father God, we want to partner with you in what you're doing in Shawnee and all of Kansas City. God, continue to mature us and give us opportunities for us to be the light, for us to be the proclamation of your gospel. And Father, I pray that you would continue to draw men and women to us that have the hunger for disciple-making and have the hunger to make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. In Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast, and thank you for supporting the teaching ministry of New City Church. I mean, if this podcast inspired you and you want to partner with New City, you can give now by clicking the link in the description or visit newcitychurch.com slash podcast for more information. Have a blessed day.